Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. My name is Sekou Lalo. And I'm Maxine Paul. And we are pulling back the layers of black male humanity to look at what's true, what's authentic, what's deep. Co-creating space for black men to explore their humanity, blackness, maleness, and everything in between to fully introduce themselves. Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. Today, we are welcoming Hobson McCain, an aspiring attorney and the co-host of Woke and Restless Podcast. Come join us as he talks politics, relationships, and what social justice looks like in 2020. Come and gain insight on how this young, Black, intelligent brother navigates his world. Join us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself, where we are pulling back the layers and the complexity of Black men to find out what's going on deep on the inside. Today, we have Hobson McCain in the house. It's an honor to have you on the show today, brother, and I am with my co-host, Maxime Paul. We're going to let Max kick it off. Yes, Hobson. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate y'all having me. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. So, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Hobson McCain. I am a recent, I guess, two years out of college graduate political science major. I'm applying to law school right now, and I'm very into social activism, blackness, and just being proud of who we are. That's what we talk about on my podcast. Um, I talk to Sekou about this kind of stuff all the time. You know, when I heard about the opportunity to come on, I definitely wanted to jump on it. So, we like to start out asking another question too and you keep it as authentic as you can we just want to start out real simple and ask you how are you feeling today and that's a real question how are you actually feeling today and i know you had a lot going on tell us Mm -hmm. you know i've been i've been conflicted honestly for the past couple weeks it's been a rough couple weeks uh, especially for the black community in general but especially you know for black men it's been a real turn couple weeks full of turmoil. So I've been trying to process a lot of emotions, trying to process action plans in terms of like, you know, next steps on how to move forward. And then, you know, just trying to stay busy in my day to day as well. You know, with coronavirus and and lockdown and quarantine going on, you get a lot of extra time to think, which can be a positive. But I feel like you do also want to make sure you stay busy so that when situations and times that are so seemingly negative, or at least that's what's portrayed, is a lot of negativity, you want to keep busy and make sure you keep surrounding yourself with positive people and stuff like that, positive ideas. So that's what I've been focusing on mostly. In terms of how I'm feeling, I would say in one word synopsis, I would say frustrated. Just in terms of my general outlook on the country, our general outlook on us as a community and then just even amongst black men and even in my own circle it's just like a lot of frustration you know I was even talking to one of my friends and I was just like sometimes it feels like there's no right path like there's no there's no solution and it's just like you feel out of options and just like you have no nowhere to run and as a black man in America you know you you want to be that stand strong defend your family Like, you know, I got this, I can figure it out all the time and not being able to figure it out. And especially with the Ahmaud Arbery situation, you know, it's like, that's not even law enforcement. So we can't even interact with everyday people. And like, where do we have space to be comfortable besides with us? 
And mm. then even still, you know, depending on which us it is, we might not even be received there. It's just like a lot of conflicting emotions and just like confusion and just trying to figure out how do we process this in a healthy way? And then how do we um, use this energy and keep the energy, but use it in, in a positive direction, if that makes sense. That makes sense. It sounds like you have a wrestling with a whole, yeah. <laughs> and there's yeah. a lot going on in, on the inside. That's good. We're going to come back to some of that a little bit later. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, I kind of want to understand a little bit more about you. We didn't get to talk before, but what is it that makes you who you are? What makes you uniquely Hobson? I'll honestly say my upbringing. In high school and before college, I was that Black guy who was so entrenched in white spaces that like I knew about our past and I knew about our history, but it wasn't something that I was actively confronting. And when I got to college, that's when, you know, I was just extremely isolated. You know, I always play football, and so there's a lot of black guys on the football team. But when I got to college, that's when I got extremely isolated in the sense of race. And that was the first time where I felt that passion. So I feel like my college experience is really what drove me to become Hobson of today. I like to say before uh, 2018, I was hobby, um, which was what, what I was called as a kid. And then once I graduated college, I became Hobson, you know, for a variety of reasons. Mm. I totally understand that because when I was growing up, people used to always call me Max, Max, Max. I'm like, no, my name is Maxine when I went to college. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm an adult now. Call me Maxine. You know, they still do, but like, you know, even my parents call me Max, but it's whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're never going to change, but you <laughs> yeah. can get the rest of the world. Well, that's an interesting answer. That leads right into my next question. And maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit more, Hobby, but what different roles do you play? in your life mm-hmm. and how do those roles impact who you are and that could be mentally emotionally in whatever way honestly my most important role right now is being a big brother and i would say that just because i feel like my brother and sister are in developmental years in their lives you know my sister's in college my brother's freshman in high school you know i'm the first mccain kid so i've been the example for them You know, right now, I've actually been trying to focus on building relationships with them. I don't want to be another parental figure, right? But I want to be an ally, somebody that they see as somebody they can come to talk to, like for advice and and things of that nature. So uh, I try everything that I do, anything I put online, I want them to be able to see it and know that, A, that their, their brother is intelligent, articulate, and is fighting for something and, you know, has passion in things and the things that he does have passion in he educates himself on and then you know just like sees the good habits and the good things that i'm putting out into the world and then hopefully not so many of the negative ones and they're going to see the negative ones as well hopefully they'll learn from them but i want to put as many positive examples for them to follow and blaze their own path as well Um, Mm -hmm. i'm trying to navigate that path right now yeah yeah let me ask well you you kind of answered it but i just want to dig a little bit deeper there just with those roles that you're playing, particularly as the big brother, mm-hmm. do you feel any kind of like stress or feel like that you have to change who you are in that role because of how you want to be perceived? Or do you feel like you have the liberty to still be authentic? I mean, that's an interesting question because I, I always feel comfortable being myself around my brother and my sister. It's a question of which self, I guess. Because I mean, 
the core is always Hobson, right? But, you know, when I'm at work, I portray a different energy and a different persona. And so work Hobson is different than podcast Hobson or activist, activist Hobson. Like there's different versions all rooted in the same ideals and principles, but obviously portraying different things. So to answer your question, I guess, more directly, I do feel that sometimes this is a conversation about black men, right? So as a black man, sometimes it's just like, it's hard to be able to broadcast faults, mistakes, you know, to anybody really, even to yourself. And that, that's one thing I'm, that, that I've really been battling with is just like, I used to want to be perfect. And, you know, anything other than perfect, I'd either hide or brush it under the table or like I would even pretend like it didn't exist. And that led me to a lot of the emotional challenges that I faced in college. And so now I'm trying to flesh out even my bad sides and um, even portray to my brother, you know, my brother and sister, they're like, sometimes I don't even, I, I don't know, <laughs> like, or I messed up, or I'm, I'm not that good at that. And so it's kind of like that taking a step back, recognizing that although we all want to be Superman, we're not, and we can try our best to be, but that goal of perfection, I feel like can be stressful on the mind. It definitely was for me in play with my head. It made me feel like I was inadequate when in reality, I was probably doing better than a lot of people in my similar situation, or at least as good. There's a lot of standards that you have to uphold, especially being an educated black man. You know, it would be different if I was, you know, and this is not a knock on those brothers. I obviously want all brothers to succeed, right? But it would be different if I was an uneducated working at McDonald's or something like that. But I am educated. I am smart. I'm articulate. I'm able to express my thoughts in a way that people understand. And that, so I have a responsibility to, I believe. And therefore, there's, another, there's a further responsibility, further the, the Black community, the further your family, further your name. Like, you know, so there's a lot of responsibilities behind being a Black man. So it is, it is definitely very stressful. But I think it's beneficial to release some of that pressure. And I'm sorry, Rainbow. No, no, no. We want you to talk. We want you <laughs> yeah. to talk. That's good. Thank you for that. That's insightful, for sure. And it actually helped me ask this question. Because as you're doing this work and you're, you're thinking about yourself and the stress that you have as a Black man, mm -hmm. do you have a relationship with other Black men? And how is that relationship? I'm in a fraternity. So I have that relationship with you know, a bunch of Black men and, and um, Phi Beta Sigma. I have my father and I have my group of friends from college. And then I have my co-host of my podcast. But a lot of those spaces, I don't necessarily feel comfortable in what we were just talking about in terms of like expressing faults and like being a, like in a, in a vulnerable space. I've only been in that space with a couple of my friends from school and my friend Kermit, who I live with now. I didn't even know it was really a thing, honestly, until I met one of my friends in school who just like, he was just very forthcoming about how he was feeling, whether it be good or bad or, you know, his experiences, whether he messed up or did well, you know, he was just very honest and like open about himself and how he was as a person. And I hadn't really experienced that except, you know, outside of my, like my father who would always try to get me to learn from his mistakes and stuff like that. So, but having it on a peer level, I think is refreshing. And it kind of lets you let a wall down because with your parents, you know, you have to, you don't have to, but with your parents, they're your parents. You know, it's like there's certain things you may not want to talk to them about, but with your friends, it's always, I've done at least as worse, you know, <laughs> or I've done at least as bad. So long story short, I do believe, yes, <laughs> that I have a couple of friends that it's good to talk to. And I think it's, it's beneficial for Black men to have that space to be able to be vulnerable because those emotions can, can hurt. Mm. Now, to follow that, 
how is your relationship with the rest of the black community mm. other than black men? I actually find that having conversations with black women is a lot easier for me. Black women are like, me and Carmen say all the time, they're, they're like superheroes in a lot of ways because they, they take on so much, but they're also so like nurturing and like naturally able to, I don't know, just the way that they communicate and like the advice and things that the black women, that at least in my life, give. I have a fantastic relationship with black women. So yeah, I appreciate black women immensely. Okay, I, I have an interesting question that I want to ask because of that. Okay. Are there, are there some behaviors, tactics that like black women use that you would love to embody and like, or at least utilize or, you know, learn from? So I would say that black women use each other as strengths, pillars of strength. I see it with my girlfriend and her friends even if it's talking about different business opportunities, different job opportunities, like they're uplifting of each other. And like, even if the girl did something wrong, like you're still, you're that woman, you know, you, you, you bad and better than your situation. You know, like that, that's the kind of stuff that as black men, like I feel like in black men, it's almost more common to be in a group of friends that jumps on each other and gets on each other all the time. And that's how my group of friends was generally in college. You know, we get on each other, but we were also able to have the conversations that flipped it. But generally we were, bashing on each other and i do think that that has like effect on the mind over time you know somebody tells you you're trash over and over again like you're gonna mess up and you're like dang i'm trash and that little thought i think it might seem minuscule but it is a big it is a big thing to instead of thinking i'm trash be like hey i'm gonna get that next time or nah regardless of that i'm that dude you don't really hear that in black male circles so i think we should adopt that from black women for sure so it, it seems like we're digging deeper into like the vulnerable space. So let me ask this. What is one thing or a few things that you fear to say because it might make you appear less than a man that you want to say? Hmm, that's a tough question. I would say that crying is actually one of the most helpful things in terms of making yourself feel better. I think crying is one of the more productive things you can do. Even, you know, over talking to somebody, like even if you don't like talking to people, after 20 minutes of crying, you, I mean, you're gonna feel a little better. <laughs> you might laugh at something stupid, but at least in my experience, crying is actually very beneficial. Acknowledging when you're scared, I found is like, it's almost like a catalyst to overcoming the fear. For example, uh, I had like this big anxiety over starting applications to law school which seems silly because it's just like, you know, you're just starting the application. It's not really a big deal. But, you know, I felt like this was like my next big step in life. I need to make sure everything is in order. And like, if I apply and then get in and I'm not ready, like, do I want to do that right now? So, you know, I'm thinking about all this stuff and I got all this anxiety. I and mean, I sat down and talked with one of my friends about it. And I was just like, yo, I'm scared. Like, I'm, I'm scared to start this next chapter. Like, this is a big step for me. And after having the conversation, it didn't really alleviate any of my fears, if that makes sense. But I was a lot more comfortable looking at the law school site. Yeah, I might, you know, we don't know what's going forward, but the next two years are going to happen regardless, right? Mm -hmm. So might as well make some progress while you're there. I think that acknowledging your fears and discussing them with people and like fleshing them out not only gives you a better understanding of why you fear that thing, but gives you a better perspective of the reasons why you shouldn't or the reasons why your fear shouldn't hinder you from moving forward. Maybe it's okay to feel the fear, but you should still push forward. So I think that that's one, one as well. I guess that's two. I got one more, huh? Those and, are two good ones. Yeah. And then I would say self-reflection and not in the sense that like fear and things like that, but self-reflection, 
in our interactions with the rest of the black community, especially, but people of color as well. Just because I feel like there are a lot of instances where black men can, whether it be derivative of, you know, long trauma or pain in your past, black men can be perpetuators of oppression and like do things that if a white person did to a black man, they'd have a problem with. And it be that in respect to black women, be that in respect to the LGBTQ community, be that in respect to other black men, like the light skin, dark skin, like, you know, so there's a lot of different ways that I believe black men can be better. And I don't think that acknowledging that we can be better is stating that we are bad. I feel like black men feel antagonized when somebody questions or says that there's something that they can improve on, even if it's in the black community. So, you know, I think that they got to be more able to process that. Good. You're dropping some jewels here, brother. I'm trying my best. <laughs> yeah, Hobson, is there anything right now in your identity, in yourself, that you're struggling with? And how do you negotiate that? Right now, I'm struggling with fully committing to my future. Like I, I was just talking to Sekou about it a little bit, but fully committing to what I've decided is my next step and fully committing to growth and stepping out of a place of comfort and satisfaction is difficult for me because I do enjoy the path of least resistance. And, you know, while that's usually bad to say, you know, I think that recognizing that, like, I'd, I'd rather, you know, go to the pool than do a hike. But I, I'm also recognizing now that maybe sometimes the hike is better for you and you'll feel better after it. I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just focused on just attacking things and not letting my manifestations of what may go wrong or what may happen determine how I'm acting in the current, in the present. So that's my biggest thing. It's interesting because in your response to the last two questions, I hear how the element of fear mm. in some way or anxiety is present. And I know for me, you know, I have my own version of that and how that plays out in our lives to the point where it becomes a hindrance. Yeah. And in light of that, I, I'm going to ask this question, and you can be as detailed as you want, but what does it mean for Hobson to be free? Like, what does freedom look like for you? Full freedom. I think being able to operate my life without consideration of anybody else in the world's thoughts or perceptions of me, <laughs> it, it's hard because I feel like I'm, I'm close to that space, but some of it's out of our control because like obviously just interacting with people that don't look like us, you, you, you know, there's perception and it's like you have to consider that. So there's a lack of freedom there, but even on a, on a more internal level, letting my decisions be my decisions outside of the influences of, you know, media or capitalism, or, you know, whether it's not right now I want to make money. You know, I, I do I do recognize I want to make money, but is that because I need money to have a nice house or is that just because people tell me I need to have money? And just really fleshing that, that kind of stuff out, I think is freedom. I've also been really, really into philosophy lately. So I think that developing your own personal philosophy is is an element of freedom because it's kind of like developing a laws to govern yourself and when you're the person enforcing the laws on yourself you feel less restricted you're like this is me choosing to do this right and like living your life by a philosophy and maybe not by confucius per se but combining different philosophies or different experiences that you hear about to develop how you will approach life regardless of any situation 
I think would be an element of freedom that I haven't quite attained yet. Because, you know, there's some situations I don't know how to approach. I don't know what I would do in them and I'd be conflicted. But being able to approach a choice and having a, a consistent moral standard to measure yourself by that's not something that was enforced upon you or um, relayed to you by someone else, I think is an element of freedom, a mental freedom that I don't think many achieve really. That's interesting because in clocking your answer, I think this is, is important to take note that everything you said was internal. It had to do with you assessing yourself, but it was not a material answer mm. about what it looks like external. Yeah. You know, some people might say, yo, I get my Bentley, I get my yeah. house. And we want those too. I think it says a lot about you that you, you started with kind of the internal and having a moral compass and principles and all of those things because the rest of that comes kind of comes along with that. But along those lines, I want to give you a second of freedom. Just, you know, just a brief chance. Okay. okay. What, what's one thing that you just want to say out loud and you hold in all the time? <laughs> Your freedom spot to say that. Uh, say it like you mean it. I just don't fuck. I, I just don't. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm really just guessing. And I guess I'll elaborate on that a little bit if I could. Elaborate. Say it. Yeah. Like, I just, I always want to like i hate not feeling in control and i've accepted or i'm trying to accept that a majority of life a majority of your experiences are out of your control and just focusing on controlling the things that you can right but i am doing the best that i can but i like i don't know and i'm not fully confident that everything is going to be super perfect and everything's going to work out exactly how i want to or anything like that so I don't know. I guess a lot of this conversation has been been revolving around fear for me. <laughs> so I guess I'm I am scared. Maybe that's my my statement that I would like to say. I am not certain of much right now. I'll give you this. I will tell you, like I'm in my early thirties, mm. and I am just just figuring out what I need to do. I have been always making it up, <laughs> and many of us are. Yeah. I know my dad is just figuring it out right now. He's just like, I don't know. I think I know what I'm doing. He's making it up. I think a lot of people are making it up. And this is a very unpredictable world we're in. Yeah. Just want to give you that. And I'm in my 40s and I'm in the same place. Yeah. That, maybe <laughs> they see, they say enjoy the process. Yeah. Because um, that's what we have is the process. In light of that and some of what you shared and you really illuminating a lot of things and helping us to think about some things in a different way as well. In light of COVID-19, has it been almost three months? Maybe, I, I guess, like March 15th, March, kind of the yeah. second week of March is kind of when it happened. When the world looks completely different, we don't know what school looks like. We don't know what work Anything. looks like. I mean, you and you're, you're fortunate. You you were on your way from a job, mm -hmm. and a lot of us don't have. I don't. I, I lost two jobs as a result of this. Yeah, uh, I have my own thoughts, but like in light of what's happened, how do you feel? What impact is this having on how you show up in the world and like what you do next? How's that? Yeah, honestly, COVID has really just opened my eyes to one, the chaotic nature of, of the world, and just like how things are not predictable because this started off and it was about the flu, right? Like it was just, just the flu. 
and, and now it's gotten to this point and we don't have to get into how it got there or anything like that, but I feel like COVID has taught me one, you got to cherish being able to do certain things. Like there's a lot of things that we were taking for granted before COVID hit and like getting a haircut. I'm sure that you guys can see, <laughs> but there's things like that where you just, you don't think about it every Saturday when you walk into the barbershop, it's just like, just going to get my haircut today. But as soon as you can't do it, it's something that you miss. Another thing has also taught me that most people are not most people, but there are a lot of people in the country who are not empathizers. They are unable to make decisions based off the well-being of other people besides from themselves. And that was a little bit disheartening for me just because generally in times of national crisis, the country just comes together. After all the world wars in Vietnam, like the presidential rating spikes because, you know, everybody's just like, we're America and we have to come together to beat this. And with COVID, it seemed like we continued to diverge like we've been doing for the past four to eight years. And even more so, the, the Black community is being hit ridiculously hard by this. And I think it was two or three days after the stats came out that the Black community was being affected by this was when Donald Trump started the conversation about reopening the country. So it's like, we're not cared about and like facing that reality. I guess in terms of moving forward, it's really just taught me just to be on my P's and Q's. As we've always known, Black people have to do more, twice as much to get just as far. But even more so, we got to take care of our health because the government's not going to do that for us. We have to do more in every aspect of life, not just in the aspects that you want to be successful, but because you don't know when something like this is going to hit, when this is out of most people's control. Like you said, you've lost two jobs. My, you know, I've had friends lose jobs. I'm fortunate. I'm working a law firm, so we're essential, but we've lost a couple of people as well. So the world isn't going to stop because we aren't doing well and we have to figure out a way to navigate that and persist despite it. It's sad that we still are persisting in spite of things, but that is our, our way or not our way, but our, our, our fight, I guess. I want to ask you a little bit about your mental health needs. Mm -hmm. Do you have any currently, has anything been kicked up because of COVID? Has this affected you in, in that way? The COVID-19 hasn't. It, has, it hasn't affected me mental health wise. Like I said at the beginning of the, the podcast, my mental was affected by the Ahmaud Arbery shooting. I was in a dark place because of that. And then the Breonna Taylor as well. And not necessarily like a, a depression or like a sad, really but more of just like a rage. Like I was, I was really, really like angry for a few days and being able to process that anger in, in the way that I am, I guess is, is good. Cause I didn't snap or like cuss any white people out or anything like that. But it was hard for me to have conversations with some of my conservative white friends. Like, you know, a couple of days after that, it was just like that, that was hard to process. And, and, I, and I'll keep it real. I'm not very good at dissecting my own mental health. I'm not really like, uh, I never, I told Sekou this before. I've not like gone to therapy or something of that nature, which is something that is a problem in the black community as well that I guess I'm a example of. But I kind of, and I'm going to be honest, when I think of a therapist, I think of somebody that I'm going to express my problems to. And I feel like I'd rather express my problems to my friends and people who know me. But, you know, I'm fortunate to have people who are willing to talk to me about certain things, right? And being comfortable enough to do that. I think the connotation around therapy is bad, but I haven't personally went, so I can't really speak to it. 
or my mental health assessment, really, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, it's good to know. I mean, I, I've been doing it for years, and it's a game changer into each his own. It sounds like, at the very least, Hobson, you've been, like, thinking about the world and your relationship to the world and have strong and evolving opinions about all of that, which I think probably makes for a good podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before we wrap this up, I want to ask you about your podcast, the name of it, what you're trying to do. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So me and my, my friend Kermit Thomas, we worked on the Stacey Abrams campaign together in this past Georgia uh, gubernatorial election. And we started a podcast called Woke and Restless. Its aim is to discuss with the Black community political issues, social issues, really anything pertaining to the Black community. We want to get the opinions and articulate the importance of political issues to folks in the Black community and also articulate the emotions of the Black community surrounding issues like the Ahmaud Arbery case and like police brutality and things of that nature. Long story short, we felt like there was a, a need for Black conversation in the podcasting space. We found podcasts where there were Black people on the podcast, but they were talking about white topics. So we just want to create a space for Black people to feel comfortable discussing anything from politics to entertainment. So we spread news, we spread funny videos and stuff like that. So y'all check us out on Facebook, Woken Restless. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. I definitely appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I heard kind of like a theme just in terms of as we were having this conversation with you, Hobson, and just to let you know that we're listening and we're trying to hear you and be present because that's what we're trying to do here is give ourselves an opportunity to be authentic, open, mm -hmm. and share sides of our, our Black manhood that might not necessarily be heard on any given day. If anything, this is a therapy session right here for all of us because <laughs> we just get a chance to be open and just kind of talk from our heart. And some of the words that I heard were throughout this, and you started out saying you were an activist. And then I heard the word fear. I heard the word vulnerability. I heard the word empathy. And then you talked about kind of trying to be like in the process, but not like having answers, not being able yeah. to find answers. And I think just kind of hearing that, that makes up for a complex, thought-provoking, active Black man that's <laughs> trying to move forward in the world. And those words represent you in some way, and, but they, they speak to kind of us where we are. And we just want to say, wherever you are in your journey, we're in our journey too. We love you, brother, and appreciate the work that you're doing. And we are literally depending on you and your mind and your genius to do something about this world that we're living in. So it's a better place than when you came into it. So we love you, brother. Hey, I appreciate y'all. And I, lo I love y'all as well. It's all love on this end. So we, we got a lot of work to do and we'll do it together. Absolutely. So we are signing out. Let me introduce myself. We have had the privilege of having Hobson McCain. Make sure to go check out his podcast, ASAP, Woken Restless. Check it out. And until next time, God bless. Keep looking up and think number one, brother.
could you feel it? Hobson is figuring things out. We delved into the mind of a recent college grad, wrestling with all the details of adulting and figuring out who he is, who he will be, and the impact he wants to have on the world. He's thinking deeply about his community, how he can help, and how he can be a better black man. It may seem like something that every young person goes through, but it's something that we're all going through right now during the pandemic. This has infused an immense amount of uncertainty into our status quo, making us wrestle with who are we and what do we want to do with ourselves to impact the world. 